It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Do you know someone on your holiday gift list that's looking to cut costs? Consider a Henson Razor. Henson Razors use quality standard blades that only cost 10 cents each. That means you'll only be spending pennies a month on blades. Compare that to multi-blade cartridges that cost 20 to 30 times more. Over a couple years, that special someone on your list will save hundreds and get a safe and smooth shaving experience along the way. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to HensonShaving.com holiday. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Another edition of the Custard TV podcast. It's me, Luke, editor of the website, thecustardtv.com, and I'm joined by two people who are always available when we want to record, Matt Donnelly in the north and Dawn Glenn, very happily, filling in for us again in Scotland. Uh, Matt's on a bit of a delay because his internet is slow. So this is going to be an interesting one. It may perk up later, but he reckons there's about a 10-second delay. So he's hearing everything 10 seconds late, which means Dawn and I can basically see into his future a little bit. It's the other way around, really. I'm hearing things, but you're not hearing me for 10 seconds. On the show today, we'll be doing our usual thing of reviewing four brand-new shows. We're going over to uh, the BBC for Jack Thorne's new drama, Best Interest. Then we're going to Apple for uh, for the crowded room. Then to ITVX for significant other, and then to a show nobody knows exists on Amazon Prime, Deadlock. We'll talk about the crime spoof there as well. But I put a thread out on Twitter today. Uh, I wanted to know what people were really loving because this year all the things I've genuinely been looking forward to have disappointed me or not been what I thought, and that's on me for put an expectation on something I had never seen and just assumed would be good. Uh, People know that, you know, on the whole, I've loved The Last of Us, Happy Valley, Barry, Succession, Beef, Jury Duty, Poker Face, Waste Across the World, Somebody Somewhere, The Great, and uh, a lot of those were returning shows. Has there been anything apart from those? I know you like The Diplomat and Colin from Accounts. Anything else? There are several shows I have still that I haven't finished which I would need to finish, that, that we've talked about on here. High Desert, uh, we'll say High Desert. High Desert, uh, I really want to see. Obviously, Unforgotten was new to me. The things that have been best have been the surprises, like Colin from Accounts and Jury Duty. Didn't expect them to be as good as they were. Never heard of Jury Duty, to be honest. Um, but I think I think there's been something really good at least every couple of weeks. The other thing I I liked in your tweet was TV hasn't entertained me. Like, it's just there, just for you. But Um, but again, it's true. It hasn't. I mean, this this time last year, I had seen, like, 22 shows that I liked, admired and respected. This year, I've seen 12. And the majority of them are shows I already liked, like The Great Somebody Somewhere. There hasn't been, apart from The Last of Us and beef those are duty, duty, duty poker face 
there hasn't been many new ones where like oh this has caught me by surprise this is what you know and i just feel like this year's different and i think it's going to get worse now in writer's strike times yeah i can understand what you're saying i think a part of it is last year we had a lot of shows that were delayed production because of the pandemic so there was stuff that had been coming out for a while plus stuff that we really liked last year was a bit of a anomaly rather than maybe the rule if you look back to maybe 2019 we didn't even do a best of the year that year because there wasn't enough that would be the last sort of proper year of tv pre-pandemic which you can sort of judge it against and i think there wasn't enough shows you liked that year and so i think it's weighing up against last year maybe a bit of a unfair let's just say the places i associate now based on their previous outcome like output rather like apple tv just haven't delivered shows that have spoken to me in the way that severance did in the way that shining girls did this year their output has been in my opinion really poor and we'll get to another one i'd agree with that i'd agree with that i mean bad sisters I still stands up for me and we've got Sharon Horgan in another show. Yeah, it's just funny how streaming services have but, somewhat uh, ruined TV in a way, which is what mm-hmm. a lot of people are saying, because like, there's great shows on every single one of them, but not enough to say you should get Apple TV for Bad Sisters and Severance, but then after that I'm not sure what I'd recommend for you. And then on Netflix, they had mm. they had a run of good stuff, but not enough to... I would agree with you about Apple as well. And I think, again, I think they had a lot of commissions that all just sort of came together last year because we weren't really talking about Apple TV when it first came along. Everything came along at the right time. You know, we weren't talking about Dickinson or Servant or The Morning Show, were we? No, we didn't. And it just so happened, that, as you say, that they seem to have just through... I don't know, scheduling, they just seem to have a lot. There seems to be something every month at one period for Apple TV. What have you been watching? I'll go to Dawn. Have you had any time to watch anything other than the shows this week? Uh, not much this week because I had visitors from the United States of America. Um, but I started watching Poker Face Weekly, <laughs> as is intended. Just, I just watched the um, barbecue episode last night and it's it just so clever and so well done and you know the more I watch it the more I love it so I, I think I'm going to be a bit obsessed with Poker Face as it goes on. Are you one of those people that would ask your visitors what they're watching because I don't tend to do yeah. that in in well, normal world. I do because we met via it was uh, friends that I met via fandom they're um, right. walking and one of them works in television so yeah. um we did discuss it, but largely we were talking about succession because mm. they wanted to go and visit the V&A Museum in Dundee because that is, of course, where Kendall delivered his infamous Logan Rat yeah. party. We went and stood in the spot and, and, and watched the clip on YouTube of where he was. So uh, cool. We lived that. <laughs> so cool and yet not so cool. <laughs> Both are the same things. I've been doing some documentaries which are on HBO or in the US or on Discovery Plus here in the UK. Uh, one is called How to Create a Sex Scandal. You can see it on Discovery Plus. I am a 
fan of these true stories that are so bonkers that if they're in a drama I wouldn't even entertain them but this one is about a man and woman who adopt these three children uh, of varying ages in the US and they go to what is known as a bad hangout place a swingers club in the town because the mother wants to buy it and turn it into like a big foster home and the kids say oh I, I used to work here I used to give all the money out and I performed on stage and uh, they get subsequently the, the parents of the kids thrown in jail and all this sort of stuff and it shows police interviews with them and then as these crime things often do so brilliantly it pulls the rug from under you and did this really happen who was pulling the strings is this all brainwashing I would absolutely applaud anyone who's happens to have discovery plus through sky you can get it free that is another one of these crazy true stories that is really worth your time only three episodes but tells the story really well also there is a show called the curious case of natalia grace which i was always going to love because it rhymes this is a story again about a family in indianapolis they have the perfect life three sons big house they're doing really well they think, I think we should add somebody else who's not doing so fortunately to our family. So they reach out, adoption agencies, say that they are interested in adding to their family so they've got a good income and they want to give a child a better start in life. An adoption agency reaches out to them and says, we have this Ukrainian girl who suffers from dwarfism who would be perfect for you, but you have to come now because if you don't come now, She'll be sent to foster care and that's her life. So you either come and collect her or you don't. Anyway, they go and collect her. They sign all the forms. They meet her. They welcome in her with open arms. She struggles to walk. She's got dwarfism. She's very, very small. But is she actually a child? Because when they bathe her, she has... Full... I've heard this story yes, before. She has full, full pubic hair and uh, is going through periods. And, and that is just the most bizarre... The six episodes we watched the three this uh, last night. I can't wait to finish it. Everybody in it is just absolutely bonkers. They speak to the foster parents. They speak to the police. They speak to the care assistant that was with it. It's just bonkers. You cannot believe these are real things that have happened to real people. That one's called The Curious Case of Natalia Grace. You need to watch it if you like those sort of things. So that's what I've been doing this week with no barrier or succession to look forward to. By the way, on the site, um, Black Mirror's back very soon and Tyler has written a piece about their favourite episodes. Bandersnatch rather controversially made it in, but I wasn't going to make any arguments. It's their top five. You can read it there now on the site. You can also read Dawn's views on shipping. There's a big opinion piece on there and I'll be doing some more reviews of some upcoming shows and talking about summer TV this week. I'll be working on that, so that'll be there. Hopefully by the time you listen to the next podcast, there's a whole archive of this here podcast, which you can hear on all your apps of choice. There's interviews we've done with people in the past. There's ones without Dawn on them, which, I don't know, you can disregard. But they're all there, should you want to listen back. You can find us on Instagram. It's it's the Custard TV at Luke Custard TV for me on Twitter at Matt's TV Bites for Delay Man over there and at Dawn Glen Two on Twitter for Dawn. Now at the end of the podcast, I can't remember if I kept it in the edit, but we made a joke about there being a Dawn Glen one who was racist, 
a Dawn Glen 2 who is you and a Dawn Glen 3 who would be just right. So you did a bit of a search. It got you thinking, I wonder if there is a Dawn Glen 3 and you found her. And it was somebody who had cloned my account for for the use of cryptocurrency. So, um, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Dawn Glen, three random, and then, you know, six random numbers. And they'd taken my picture and my name and I was like, oh, so thank you very much for making that joke because it made me go and look. And I found someone I could report. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. So we're going to start with the BBC drama this week. All available as is the BBC's remit on the iPlayer from Monday night. Four episodes, brand new drama from acclaimed writer Jack Thorne, who I looked through his INDB recently, and it's just the amount of output that man, his pen must never stop, or his keyboard must never stop. He is continually churning out things of note. Best interest is another personal one. Jack has always championed disability visibility on on screen the last thing of his that matt and i talked about was when barbara met alan which i think si and matt enjoyed more than i did it was just an hour and a half or an hour's show there's a lot going on and i felt that it was deserved by the amount of time that it had given to it and i reached out to jack and he agreed that unfortunately it was a really hard sell This one should be an easier sell, although it's about disability, because at the top of the cast is Michael Sheen, Sharon Horgan. They play uh, husband and wife, Andrew and Nikki. They are parents to Katie and to Marnie. Marnie has muscular dystrophy. She is bedbound a lot of the time. It starts with a Luke special, this show, because of course it does. I I have to say I had issues with that because I found it really disorientating, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Marnie suffers with muscular dystrophy. She's had a lot of infections. Her parents have a rare night out when they get back. Everything seems fine, and then overnight, uh, Marnie's temperature goes up. They call an ambulance. She ends up in the hospital, and the medical team say... She's fought a lot of these, but her body's getting weaker. She's not able to fight as hard as she had in the past. And I think we need to talk about palliative care. Nikki is obviously against this. She said, how can you do this to someone who can still smile, who can still laugh? I can still see so much life in her. Katie, the teenage sister, is often ignored because of how much time they have to spend with Marnie. And the first episode goes through their lives it shows them receiving the initial diagnosis of Marnie's condition shows them in better times when they were a family and when she first got her electric wheelchair and how protective they were and how tight they were as a family and also how Andrew and Nikki have devoted their lives to giving the daughter the best that they can I'll go to Mr Delay first how did you feel about Best Interest episode one I can see what you mean about the structure of the piece. I mean, what they do, as you say, is they start outside like a courtroom, but then, you know, you get about the about the daughter, about the family dynamic, and what Luke went into with 
her worsening, but it's interspersed with them getting the diagnosis, first of all, and things like that. So it's all over the place, and you get it from different characters' perspectives as well. So initially, that narrative style took a while to, as you say, orientate into, but once you got there, I really enjoyed it. I think something about Jack Thorne's writing, he gets the details down, the the little moments when someone goes to touch someone and then decides not to. The the presentation, and I, I'm guessing Luke's favourite performance was possibly the actress who played Katie, the daughter. I don't know why, but that's my guess. I enjoyed her performance, and I think I enjoyed possibly the character and the perspective, because sometimes I think in a drama like this, she would just be a spare part. But the fact that they focused on the impact of a sibling of a child with additional needs and how they're ignored. And, you know, she wasn't, like, totally rebellious. She had, like, you know, she was smoking. You don't know if her parents know that she's gay, but that there was that aspect to it. But I really enjoyed that, you know, she tries to be supportive, but there is an element of, you know, what about me? And it's all about that sort of balance of the emotional and the practical. And there's always the question of, you know, what would you do in that situation? I really enjoyed it. I was gripped from beginning to end. I don't know with you guys if it strikes more of a chord because, you know, without wanting to hammer the point home, I know you've both got sort of long-term disability, so I don't know if this sort of strikes a chord more because you've obviously had experiences of probably being in hospitals and having those sort of conversations a lot more than I have. And to Jack Thorne's point, um, he says there should be more disability visibility on screen, which I will always champion. However, I think... As somebody whose disability rules every aspect of their life, I feel like the reason we don't see a lot of disability in drama is because disability is a really hard thing to write about. If you wrote about somebody with my condition, cerebral palsy, you could be writing about somebody like me who is... It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. I like to think eloquent and can get their point across, but then can't put their socks on, can't tie their shoelaces, can't cook, you know, all those sort of stuff, things that I can't do and, and will never be able to do. And if you, but, but then if you also write about cerebral palsy, you could write about somebody who can't communicate, who is unable to see the world in any kind of way at all and is completely housebound. And, and it's just a really hard subject to tackle because you can't get anyone's point of view across very well because it is so wide-ranging and no one person is exactly the same 
I think I have to view this as just what it is, is a piece of drama. And I always look at the, the structure, the characters. I think structurally it didn't work. I think it should have started with the diagnosis of Marnie. That sequence when the doctor gets the older sister to, to draw a family and do a puppet show at the end while he's giving the family their awful news or what they perceive to be awful news that their daughter will have a different life and will see the world differently. That was very powerful. There's nothing wrong with starting a story at the beginning and then going, and here we are now when she's 16. I think that would have been, for me, a better way of approaching it. And it did that thing that a lot of these dramas do where, unfortunately, we see the person at the heart... Marnie, occasionally she's doing a TikTok video with her sister, messing about in the wheelchair, and she has a, a heart-to-heart with uh, Michael Sheen's character, but we don't spend enough time with her, and then she's whipped away from us. Structurally, it was flawed, I think. I also, and I, I don't know why this is, it might be because they're so ubiquitous, but at no point was I watching Nikki and, uh, what was Michael Sheen's character called? Andrew. I was just always thinking... There's Sharon Horgan, there's Michael Sheen. And I couldn't stop that for some reason. And I I watch enough TV drama to go, Sarah Lancashire isn't playing Catherine Kaywood and everything. But for some reason, those two together, I could never switch that. That's Michael Sheen, that's Sharon Horgan off. And I think it's because their performances weren't strong enough. I didn't feel involved in it. I just thought it was really clunky. and, And this was something that I was really interested in because you don't see this story written. You don't see these sort of things on TV. They should absolutely be there. I just thought it was poorly executed in my view. I did find it really gripping. I, I think I'm more more on Matt's side of, of view. But I agree the structure, I, I didn't like that back and forward in time. It, is, it was a bit jarring, I think. And I would have liked to have seen a more linear either back to front or front to back, if you know what I mean, following the, the, the path of what happens to Marnie that, that leads to this decision they have to make. For me, the, I thought the best thing about it is the, the doctor who um, is caring for Marnie, um, played by Noma Dumizweni. Apologies for the pronunciation. She was in The Watcher, very striking person on screen, a very strong presence. I watched the second episode of this as well, and there there's a sequence at the, the start which I think follows something we don't often see in these kinds of shows. In medical shows, we'll see the doctor make a decision and deal with the thing, and then the next week they're dealing with another situation, another patient. Or in a case where we're following the family, we see them. I think it really showed the impact that these children have on a, on the doctors because. Parents, obviously, their child is their world. They can only see it from their point of view. This is my world, and you're just making a five-minute decision about my child's life or death. You know, they, they judge can judge doctors quite harshly. And obviously, we, we see sort of Sharon Corgan's character doing that. But this shows that that doctor is making those decisions day in, day out, constantly, about children who are very, very ill, and what the toll that takes and having to tell the, the families again and again and again and how hard that must be. But she has to do it. She has to be emotionally involved enough to care and understand, but emotionally detached enough that she doesn't get destroyed 
every time a child dies. I thought that was the aspect that Jack Thorne wrote perfectly. Sharon Horgan and, and Michael Sheen's characters, I, I found it believable. You know, we've all seen it in the news where families have broken up over these kind of, of decisions that have to be made. But I just found, especially Sharon Horgan was written, was so harsh. And maybe that's, you know, that's what they intended. There, there's an argument they have in the street. I think this is in, in episode two. And it's so visceral. And she's so insulting to Michael Sheen's character. And it's it's really painful. So in, in that sense, it's it's well written. And, and it's, it's, you feel it. But I don't know. It made me lose sympathy with her. Because obviously you feel sympathy for her. It's a, a mother with a child. And, and how is she going to face this decision? But she was cutting out the father and I I don't know again maybe that is what they intended to show that a mother can feel like only she knows this pain and the father can't even understand it um and I like that they didn't throw in other stuff that other dramas have done you know other stories of the family and it was really laser focused on the couple and the the sister did you feel as I often do in these things that Perhaps because they're only given four episodes, they are so desperate to get to the point of the show that they often lose out on the character at the centre of it because I felt we didn't see enough of Marnie. Obviously, your heart goes out to any parent that's going to lose a child, especially in that way, but I didn't feel I was able to build a bond and, and get a sense of who Marnie was. That seemed a misstep, in my view. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think... As I say, in the second episode, there's a bit more of Marnie and, and her life before this happens. The way that she's treated in the first episode, it feels as though she was at that time much further down the road in sickness, that she had, you know, lost the ability to take a full part in her own life. But she wasn't. She was fully there and obviously had quite a full life. And I think you're right, they missed out on showing it from her point of view, which might give us a better of an understanding of what Marnie herself would want in that circumstance. Because it's interesting that this is, obviously, I keep saying it, visibility on disability story, but sadly, based on only the episode that I watched, the person who is disabled, who is that should be at the heart of the story, is kind of sidelined, that I was really disappointed by that choice that they made, and that is because they decided to whiz around in time, which I thought was a, a mistake. I, I think it would have been nice to spend more time with her and to show more of the sisterly relationship as well. If you you know, when they were building up the character of Katie, it would have been nice to see the bond that they had because they do have a bond. They're still sisters and they still have that closeness. I didn't really get a feel of that. We just got that tidy little bit with the, the power chair. But we didn't get... I would have liked to see more of that. If you wanted it linearly, based on the fact that, you know, we're getting these flashbacks throughout, you're yeah. not going to get to the point at the end of episode one, are you? That's, that's, that's I suppose, yeah. my counter-argument to what you're saying, Luke. I know, but I think I would have just preferred it structured a different way. The big point which is do we keep giving her the care 
that is the central thing. And I know what you're saying about seeing more of the girl, more of Marnie, but the central plot is about this moral query and you want to get that in episode one as much as possible so people know what it's about and then they'll come back and see more of her in the subsequent episodes. And I know possibly it's not what you wanted, but I think that is what Jack Thorne was thinking, that he, you know, you need to get that. That is the main bulk of the story. So we want that in there as much as possible. We want to see bits of her life and the relationships and the original diagnosis as well. But we want to get this in there. And as you say, yes, there are only four episodes. So there's only so much you can do. But that is sort of the main story is this question. What is in her best interest, as the title states? And that is what we're focusing on, unfortunately, rather than her as much. I certainly was gripped throughout and I don't think these yeah. things were going through my head. I did. There were elements of melodrama in there that didn't suit me, but I think it felt authentic. I thought Sharon Horgan was really good in this, actually. I felt it was a different performance than I've seen from her before. Michael Sheen, I sort of agree with you, but Sharon Horgan's performance here I thought was was absolutely stunning and she did something I've not seen. You know, there wasn't any element of comic in here, whereas everything she's been in before, even something like Bad Sisters, there has been that comic element to it, which mm. wasn't here. She played this completely straight and I thought she did a really good job. Best Interest is on Monday... Um... And we'll have aired its second episode by the time you've heard this podcast. You can watch it all on iPlayer. Moving across to the aforementioned Apple TV, Tom Holland's first uh, foray into what we'll call prestige drama. But is it? It's The Crowded Room. Tom Holland stars in The Crowded Room, as Luke says. He plays Danny Sullivan. We first see him being arrested following his part in a shooting at Rockefeller Center in 1979. Uh, we see Danny approach a male with a gun, but then cannot bring himself to pull the trigger. His female counterpart, Ariana, played by Sasha Lane, then shoots the gun, injuring but not killing their target. Whilst Danny is arrested, Ariana is nowhere to be seen. Uh, whilst their Israeli landlord, Yitzhak, I think that's how you pronounce it, is also missing. Uh, the police bring in psychologist Professor Raya Goodwin, that is Amanda Seyfried, uh, to question Danny and try to get to the truth. Danny talks to the doctor through his tough upbringing, suffered constant berating from his stepfather, uh, whilst his mother tried her best to defuse situations between them. At school, Danny only has two friends. You've got Johnny, who is into his magic. He is quite outgoing, very optimistic. And then you've got Mike, who is a jock and is sort of more well-liked than the other two. Uh, they go to a party together and he meets, I think, the archetypical Manic Pixie dream girl in Annabelle. They bond over sort of being people who enjoy their own company. They um, get high together. The trio then buy cannabis from a very generic drug dealer, both to sell at school. And so uh, Danny can get close to Annabelle. Uh, they smoke cannabis together and then make out, but she gets really cold with him very quickly. A series of events lead to him being threatened by his stepfather, possibly excluded from school and beaten up by a gang of people from the school who don't like the fact that he's got with Annabelle, let's just say that. He's then saved by Yitzhak, 
who then takes him into his sort of lodging house soon after. However, at the end of the episode, uh, we are led to believe that Yitzhak and Ariana aren't the other people in Danny's life who've mysteriously disappeared and maybe he isn't the sympathetic figure he paints himself to be. Now, something I've left out there is the fact that this is based on a book which sort of gave away what the plot Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's going to be about, but I don't know if we want to give it away. because Yes, it's we not bloody implicitly, do want to give it away. It's not implicitly stated in the plot at all, but I think it is tantamount to the review that we have to give it away do you have the name of the book there either of you i'm trying to the minds of billy milligan thank you dawn okay i want i want luke's input first because he really wants to talk about this clearly i'd seen a netflix documentary on this story because billy milligan was the first person in the u.s to be diagnosed with misassociation disorder which is where you become other people you take on the personas of other people and this drama does not get to the point of that until its sixth episode all the reviews i've read have been basically people going i can't believe it doesn't it takes this long and i can't believe the creator of the show doesn't want us to tell you what it's about and how are we supposed to review a show this dull without telling you what it's about. This could have easily been me sticking on the second episode of City on Fire, if I knew nothing about it. The aesthetic felt the same. The people felt the same. It just had a lack of life and energy to it. It's really dull. You know, Amanda Seyfried's coming off of The Dropout, which was one of the best shows of last year. You can't expect an actor just to go from one great show to another. I've learnt that long time ago that that's not how these things work but you have high hopes when you see somebody like tom holland who's been making millions in these big flicks what is it about a particular script that has made him go right we're going to jump onto tv i just found it incredibly dull and because i knew what this was you sort of think well why don't you it might be more interesting if you get to the point that sasha lane for example isn't really there and it's him firing the gun or that the roommate isn't really there and it's her, him doing everything. It's all in his mind. And that in the reviews, they weren't even allowed to say what job Amanda Seyfried was doing. I mean, it, it, it just gives you the wrong impression of a show that ends up being incredibly dull. All the flashbacks with his family I didn't really like, although Emmy Rossum, who is far too young to play his mum, I thought she was interesting in the bits I saw of him. It's more that these big actors aren't given enough to play with. You know, Tom Holland's very 
down and down and miserable. I just didn't enjoy it. Not a lot of characters to grip onto, and I wish they had leaned on the premise quicker and we were in on the what it was about quicker so that we could we could see it all unravel properly as opposed to it being a big twist and you've got to wait till the sixth episode in the meantime someone who's really interested could google and find out what it's all about so a really odd one and one i didn't enjoy yeah i agree (laughs) it feels like they want to do a sixth sense because i think uh from what i've seen that the the way that it we see danny shift into one of his other personalities is the person will touch him or put their hand on his shoulder and that's them taking over and so that you know it's like they want it to be revealed and then we will go and look back at all the times that that these swapped over and you know but it doesn't work when it's this long i didn't know how long it was when i started watching it and after i finished the first episode uh, I thought, oh, I'll look to see how many there are. And when I saw there was 10, I was like, oh, no, no. If this had been four episodes, yeah, maybe I could have stuck it through. But there's no way I could have sat through 10 episodes of this. There is just not enough. And without knowing the twist, you just end up going, why am I supposed to care about this? Why are they so interested in where these other two people are? Why have they sent Amanda Siegfried to discuss with them? For so long, and even in City on Fire, they at least had the uh, police as well investigating, which was a bit, a bit more interesting. Uh, you know, would be an, an an interesting aspect to this. But it's not. It's just Amanda Seyfried and Tom Holland's characters in a room talking, and him telling her about his life. And there was not enough at all of anything to make it worth staying around for a, a second episode so i only watched one so i know i watched this but i really can't tell you much more than that it's sort of very much washed over me i think that's the best way to describe my experience watching the crowded room apathetic i would say is my opinion to this it's very interesting uh, the rotten tomatoes people have have highlighted that the critic score is very low And the audience score is very high because Tom Holland is in it. And obviously he is Spider-Man and there is sort of a blind following of him. And there is a lot of people raving about this performance. As you say, there was just nothing going on, really. And even before I saw the based on the many lives of this guy, this thing and you can sort of work that out yourself that this is the uh, personality disorder so I just spent most of the time trying to decide how many of the characters weren't real that was sort of the game I was playing I had no idea that it was going to be the sixth episode Luke I would have assumed because the way Apple put their shows out by the end of the third episode which is what you get you would have at least got a hint at something because, you know, you're not going to see that six episode for like a month. You know, if it was Netflix, you could binge the whole thing and, and you would know that. But that seems like a very odd decision to me. Amanda Seyfried, you know, I wasn't a massive fan of the dropout, but I know a lot of people were. And she's been good in other things. Emmy Rossum, Sasha Lane, there's so many talented actresses in this, but they didn't really get a look in. This was the Tom Holland show. 
it didn't offend me as much as City on Fire because City on Fire had a lot of sort of privileged rich characters in, but I just don't feel like I got to know the characters in this at all. As I say, just very much washed over me. I know I watched it, but I will forget about it quite quickly. I think as well, the fact that we are thinking, okay, which ones of these people are not real? That means you can't rely on understanding the, his relationship with people because you don't know which of them are real relationships. Mm. So it's hard to get a handle on what he's going through or whatever because you think, well, did any of this happen? So you're doubting everything happening through it, which means you mm. actually disconnected from him. I thought it was just so limp and empty, despite being called the crowded room. There was no nothing going on. Oh, I like room. that, Luke. Good. Yes. Three episodes are on Apple TV Plus now, and the sixth one, you'll finally get to know what it's all about. But we've sort of spoiled it for you here. Next up, we're going back to me for a new comedy on ITVX. Have we talked about ITVX more than any other platform on this <laughs> podcast? Yeah, I think we're talking about ITVX that's because more all than of ITVs. That's because all their new shows are on there first. So we have to talk about them or we'll wait six months to talk about them. In some cases, I'd be happy with the six-month wait, but in others, that's fine. This next one, though, is a comedy. A lot of comedies are going to be landing there over the summer. This is the first one. It is called Significant Other. It is produced by friend of the site, uh, Nicholas Schindler, who worked on a lot of my favourites, like Clocking Off, Scott and Bailey, Happy Valley, Last Tango in Halifax. She is a... A person with a finger on the button of what is going on in TV. Works a lot with Russell T. Davies, did years and years. It's a Sin and Bob and Rose. And yeah, she's just queer as folk. She's just had a, her eye on what is important and what is going to be revolutionary and the stories to tell. This is a dark comedy starring Catherine Parkinson as Anna and Yusuf Kirkor as Sam. They are neighbours, though they'd never met before. It starts with Sam taking a load of pills uh, in, a, in an effort to end his life. And just before he's going to subdue to them, uh, Anna knocks on his door. She's having a heart attack. She's already called the paramedics, but she needs someone to be with her. Despite not knowing her, he lets her in. They have awkward small talk. And then while the medics are seeing to her... He succumbs to his overdose, collapsing, and they both end up in the ambulance together. They are subsequently in the hospital together, and the only way that Sam can get out uh, and not be at risk of another overdose is because he's spoken openly about wanting to end his life, and even though he's got kids, the only way he can get out of hospital because he's at risk of another overdose is to have a significant other he spots Anna in the hospital. They're both lost souls. They agree to do this for one another and it ends with them leaving the hospital in the pouring rain in an Uber, not a taxi. They make that reference several times. Dawn, did you ship these two unlikely people? If you could write a by-numbers show that would appeal to me, this is it. Every detail of this is exactly what I... I love Catherine Parkinson. I love Yusuf. Um, he was amazing in Home, that the Channel 4 comedy. Two middle-aged, lonely people in their life. This is everything I should love. I wanted to love this so, so much. But, unfortunately, the character of Sam is awful. He is an awful human being. 
They, and Amen. I cannot, I cannot, in all good faith, ship him with Anna, who is lovely, who has, you know, is a lonely woman who has a very solitary job. At the start of the, of the episode, when we see Sam uh, attempting suicide and then she comes in and the way he treats her is lovely and he's sweet and you think, oh, this is a lovely guy who's obviously down on his luck and life has, you know, treated him badly. His suicide note, he's written the words, uh, now look what you've done. And that really sums him up. His entire reason for everything is his ex-wife she's not they're not actually divorced but they're uh separated and that's kelly like, bryan from eternal indeed yes or and loose women she's also a loose woman and because he, he wants just... to commit suicide he's just one step from heaven oh there we go. Um, ask, your, ask your parents about that reference <laughs> <laughs> or your grandparents possibly uh yes when he tells anna about why he attempted suicide and that he just wanted to show her and show his kids, look, it's all your mother's fault. But when he referenced his children like that, I was like, what? He has children? It continues on. I watched two episodes of this. And this push and pull that he has, there are moments where he's incredibly sweet and he does have really good chemistry with, with Catherine Parkinson. They have really nice uh, chemistry that I liked. But the character is so selfish and so toxic it's painful to me that he's you know he's he's very sweet to her and then he'll say something hideously insulting to her and then there's one scene where he accidentally hits her uh, and causes a nosebleed because he's trying to get rid of her like he'll go away and flails his hand and there are things he says and when he talks about how unhappy his marriage is it's about oh yeah pick one up pick one other or one up you think oh he's talking about his children there there was no love about his children it was all poor me look how hard done by and I just hated him and I don't want to hate him I really wanted to love him so I'm, I'm kind of heartbroken about this show I think the point perhaps is how men struggle with mental health and how they struggle to communicate but you're right, Dawn, it's so shoddily drawn. I think it's a duo of first-time writers. I think I'm right in that. And these characters are just so obtuse. Maybe it would have been worth seeing mm-hmm. what was happening pre-heart attack, what was happening pre-him you know, him wanting to commit suicide. A bit of context first before we got to the meet-cute scene but I'm guessing they wanted to have that first. They did well not having a look special in there because some shows would have done that. I, like you, Dawn, watched two episodes because I thought the first episode was very much set up because there was a lot of plot to get through and it's only, you know, 20 minutes sitcom length. But I thought I'd give it another go. I think I laughed once in two episodes. It feels like they're going almost... Uh, an American cable comedy drama. I don't know if you agree, Luke, you know, like the half hours that you sometimes get where it's sort of, you know, the characters aren't People particularly are so nice. Awful, but they're, but you like spending hmm. time with That's them. That's the reason. sort of feeling yeah. I got that the, that the writers emulated that sort of style. But I think that certainly the character of Sam, there was nothing about him. She was interesting but again quite isolated and after two episodes I still don't feel I knew much about these characters 
one thing I will say is that it's slightly better than the spreadsheets. So Catherine Parkinson <laughs> is ever inching up. Come on, Catherine, you can you can get to those heady heights again. But yeah, just it's going to be another forgettable one this week. This one for me. I don't know what more I can add. I I was sort of irritated by how it was trying to be darkly funny. Dark comedies can work. Catastrophe was the darkest of dark comedy, if you want to do a Sharon Horgan reference again. I found even the way it dealt with the medical staff, like they weren't particularly well drawn. There's a sequence when they're outside and there's a nurse telling her she can't leave until she passes wind and she thinks she's pregnant, which is all just really daft. Mm. I I think it's just badly done. Yeah, I don't understand why anyone would root for Sam at all. And I was thinking, well, is Dawn's natural instinct going to kick in and I'm going to look a fool? And the fact that it didn't makes me feel somewhat vindicated. (laughs) Just a very odd one. The tone was wrong. I mean, I wasn't in that bad of a mood when I started it and it made me feel quite low, which is the opposite of what a comedy is supposed to do. You're supposed to put on a comedy when you feel low and it cheers you up. It's not supposed to work the other way around. I just have nothing to say that you haven't already said. The reviews have been really harsh as well. One and two star reviews, really. Uh, significant other, all available as a box set, I believe, currently on ITVX. Finally, I had two shows that we could discuss. Two that I've been seeing popping up on people saying this is criminally underseen, really good. Drops of God on Apple TV and Deadlock, Australian comedy spoof on Amazon Prime. Um, I watched 15 minutes of both and decided we'd perhaps have more fun discussing Deadlock. I am willing to take the wrath if I'm wrong on it, but Dawn is going to tell us what this is all about. I wouldn't call it a spoof. I think it is a, in the style of Broadchurch. The, apparently that was what the seed of an idea they started with was. They wanted to do a funny Broadchurch. I say the it is the uh, um, Australian comedy partnership of Kate McCartney and Kate McLennan, the creators and writers of this. Deadlock is a small town on the Tasmanian East Coast. It has had a rise in popularity with lesbians who have come to live there, one of whom is uh, Dulcie Collins, who is a senior sergeant in the police. She lives with her wife, Kath, who is a vet. Uh, They seem to have a slightly unbalanced relationship where Kath is, it seems, much more into Dulcie than Dulcie's more of a reserved, by-the-books kind of person. Two local teenagers who are First Nations teenagers find a body on the beach, and it turns out to be local Trent Latham, who is a bit of a man's man. He coaches the football team. He has a business with his brother. They have a boat, but they also have a, a, a gym business. He is married to Vanessa. They have a the son. When the, the body wash well, it doesn't wash up, it's it's there. Whether it washed up or not is a, a question that comes later. That is obviously a big deal for this small town. So the police commissioner says they're going to send an interstate detective to investigate, uh, and their name is Eddie Redcliffe, but it will take them a, a, a day to get there. So in the meantime, Sergeant Collins is going to start investigating, much to her husband, uh, her wife's uh, unhappiness because 
there's some instance that it turns out that Sergeant Collins used to be a detective, but is no longer. She starts by investigating Trent's brother, Gavin, who is a drunk and violent, has a, a very long rap sheet, as they say. Within 24 hours, Eddie Redcliffe turns up, not a man, a woman, a very 80s vision of a detective, you know, loud shirt, Hawaiian shirt, very brash, wades in, doesn't stick to the rules, does it things her own way, stands on, does not stand on ceremony, and she immediately assumes that Trent's brother, Gavin, is the uh, culprit. She goes to uh, interview Trent's wife, and she steals something from the house because she thinks that's uh, relevant to the investigation. Abby is the constable who is, is following her around because Eddie has been very dismissive of Sergeant Collins. So she has to go in and investigate on her own. So there's two threads of, of, of investigation. Sergeant Collins finds out the local, uh, the, the wharf, uh, their video cameras from there. She eventually gets the footage from that and they watch it together. And there are the two brothers having a fight. And Trent's mobile phone, which had been missing, had been thrown into the water. Uh, when they go down there, she manages to, to rest the phone. They discover that Trent's wife is having an affair with, with his brother, leading them all to think that this initial idea is correct. However, there is a mayor from five years ago who died. Sergeant Collins didn't know about this. This was before her time. It turns out he too had washed up. And the connection between the bodies is that they both had their tongue removed. So she starts to think there's a connection. And right enough, at the end of the, the first episode, Gavin turns up dead. So he was not the murderer. And he too has had his tongue cut out. As I say, it's very like Broadchurch, the small town, the crime, the, you know, everybody knows each other's business and the interlocking of, of secrets and affairs. But it is also very funny, but not in a stupid way, you know, not in a naked gun type of way. It's just in a, a, a natural kind of humour. Um, what did you think of it, Luke? The first 15 minutes of this, I was laughing a lot. I love the idea of somebody turning this on, thinking it was like a broad church thing, and then all these funny things happening, and they'd be going, what the heck am I watching? I thought it was done really well. Unfortunately, after those 15 minutes, when I went back to it is when the Jean Hunt female character comes in, and she's sort of so big that she kind of spoils the jokes a bit because she's more overtly comedic. And I preferred it when, you know, the policewoman is just doing her job like Olivia Coleman and all these funny things and people are around her. But I, I struggled a little bit with this incredibly broad character being overtly funny, whereas before I liked how it was poking fun at the tropes we've seen time and time again. There were bits of it I laughed out loud, which is rare. I really enjoyed it. Whether I enjoy it enough to continue on is is another question, but it was a bit of light relief in a heavy week, and I wanted to let people know that it's it's funny and it's there, and you should see if it's your flavour or not, for lack of a better phrase. I wrote down Broad Church if it was written by Chris Lilly rather than Chris Chibnall. <laughs> and... <laughs> Except he'd be playing all the characters. You took the words right out of my mouth, a meatloaf reference there as well, with the Eddie character. I totally agree with you. I felt she spoiled the tone because yeah. before that point, everyone was doing it 
really deadpan. I mean, Dawn mentioned Naked Gun, and it is very much that sort of comedy where people are very natural. You know, you've got the sort of almost like the ditzy girl who doesn't quite know what she's mm. doing, who mm. ends up chasing a suspect through a, a crowded festival wearing a wedding dress because it's, it's midway through a fitting. The male sergeant who is wearing his gym pants when they find the dead body because he's hoping to make yoga. But at the centre of it, you've got this sergeant who has got complex relationships with her wife. They're looking at getting a new um, house together, a farm, buying a farm together. Her character almost felt like something out of, as we said, Broadchurch or Nordic Noir, something like that. That's like, so she was very much the straight character. I loved the scene near the end where they got the lesbian choir singing, I touch myself while they're, trying, oh, they're doing this massive chase scene on the beach. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I just agree with you, though, that the Eddie character was the, the sort of the incongruent bit of this. But, you know, I, I think it is an easy enough watch and it's got a bit of weight to it as well. You know, you have got an investigation, you have got a mystery, even though they are playing it for laughs. The mystery element of it is still well written. I think that's what we're saying. We're comparing it to Broadchurch because it has still got that mystery to it. That bit is taken seriously, even if the people who are investigating it are playing for laughs. So they've done well in in these two comic writers primarily have done well in actually knowing what works in a mystery drama and then bringing their style to it. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. A real sort of surprise, as you say, Luca, hidden gem despite sort of those sort of minor quibbles I had with that one character. What about you, Dawn? The the dynamic of the this character brought in reminds me of a, a show, Dempsey Makepeace from the 80s. It's such a classic 80s trope of the detective who comes in and he, they're a maverick and they're not by the books and they're brash and don't care for sensibilities and being careful with the, the suspects and interviewing them carefully. No, and they just, Wade in. But I thought it was charming and the I loved the personality of the town itself, how they built up all the other characters, the, the, the woman who's just moved there with her teenage son and the, the First Nation teenagers, the girl who desperately wants to be a footballer. Every character is so The mayor. I like the mayor. Yes, she's very good in her in a wetsuit swimming up. Every character is really three-dimensional and interesting and has something about them that you you want to know more about all of them which is so well done and and the humor in it is just beautiful when when the um there's the parade of cars taking the body away from the beach and by now it's night and there's the three or four of the cars slowly driving through the town and as it passes you see tableaus of the men sitting outside the the bar raising a glass we see Trent's wife arguing with Gavin and we see the teenagers and then they're like, hang on, you're going the wrong way. So all the cars stop and really badly turn around, almost crashing into each other. And then they all go back through and we see the tableau again. I thought that was hilarious. And just little touches like the the, the son of the woman who owns the uh, restaurant and the hotel and he accidentally eats 15 weed gummies before her big night. So you just see him constantly in scenes he's eating in the background it wasn't vital to the plot it was just funny so brilliantly written I agree that Eddie is a bit over the top and it's a little distracting and makes it seem more like a broad comedy rather than broad church but 
I'm, I'm hoping that that'll sort of calm down as we get through. And we, there were hints that we get to know a little bit more about what her backstory is, and hopefully when that plays out, maybe I'll, I'll flesh her out a bit more and calm down the over the topness of it. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's a hidden a hidden gem, and it's it's something I'll I think I'll probably stick out and watch the rest of to see it how it how the how the the thriller aspect unfolds the mystery um and you, which is, and you uh, never do that no <laughs> it's very unusual for you to say i think i'll get to the end of this there's a great <laughs> sequence where the woman of the dead guy she runs up on the beach similar to what jodie whittaker did in the first episode of Broadchurch. the police woman says to her, what were you doing last night she said we were making love she says, well, can anyone verify that? And she said, well, my son, you probably heard it, didn't you? We were quite loud. And all of it's played very straight. It's so brilliant. The line where, the, the is it Gary who says, he was like my brother, and then she goes, you were brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so good. The comedy is true to the characters rather than mm. the characters forcing the comedy, and I think that's why maybe... Eddie stands out because that character does sort of force the comedy more than the other ones. Mm. I also yeah. like the pathologist can't work today because he's on a bike ride. There's just so many little lines that made me smile or laugh and, and it's very difficult uh, to laugh when you're sitting in front of a computer screen on your own but this made, or for me it is, but this made me laugh a lot. Deadlock, I think only the first four of ten are up there right now. And I saw no promotion of this, but I saw a few people I I follow talking about it, and I thought, sounds right up our street, let's get it on the podcast. So that is our podcast for this week. You can find all previous ones on your podcast apps of choice or on thecustardtv.com. Matt, I'm partying to next week, so I'm not here, but what are you going to be talking about? Uh, Black Mirror, possibly the full Monty, and... Probably Queen of Oz with Catherine Tate. Oh, yay. If you want to, you can reach out with us. If you'd like to be a voice on the podcast, put your views. If you think I'm just too moany and you've got more to say about these shows this week, then you can be on the podcast getting berated by Matt and Dawn. Uh, you can get in touch via the website. There's a join the team section. Or if you want to just do it an easier way, you can either reach out to any of us on Twitter at Matt's TV Bites, at Lucas TV, at Dawn Glenn 2 with the number 2, or you can reach us on Instagram, it's the Custard TV, uh, and we'll have you on. We'd love to have another voice uh, to discuss the shows of the moment. Matt finished the podcast last week with thank you, so I'll let him start the goodbyes today so he gets a good one. Goodbye. Bye, love you. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.